British positions on Palestine. The latest wave of Israeli violence was unleashed in a frenzy of impotent but brutal rage after Palestinian resistance launched its historic Al Aska flood battle. To British workers' credit, there have been record protests across the country since the outbreak of Israelis' genocidal campaign against the civilian population of Gaza, half of whose 2.3 million densely packed population are children. This latest wave of Israeli violence was unleashed in a frenzy of impotent but brutal rage after the Palestinian resistance launched its historic Al-Aqsa flood battle on Saturday the 7th of October. In that operation, which shattered forever the myth of the Israeli army's invincibility, a coalition of Palestinian resistance forces, which included the secular and communist forces of the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, the PFLP, and the Democratic Front for the Liberal of Palestine, DFLP, as well as Hamas and Islamic Jihad, struck back at Zionist Israel from Gaza with waves of missile assaults and troops entering occupied Palestine by land, sea and air, breaching the apartheid wall, reclaiming land and defeating Israeli Defence Force army garrison outposts. On the 8th of October, Britons were assailed with mass media propaganda demanding sympathy with and support for Israel. We were told gruesome stories in gory detail of supposed Hamas atrocities. Atrocities we soon learned to be false. Stories of alleged beheading of Israeli babies and rape of Israeli women. A music festival was attacked by the Hamas terrorists, we were told. But almost as soon as the stories were released, we learned that they were false, although we did not hear it from the BBC or the majority of the mainstream media. The mass of Israeli casualties were military personnel engaged in the occupation and suppression of Palestine. The beheadings of children and rape of Israeli women simply never happened. Hostages were taken, but upon the release of some of them, an elderly Israeli woman shook her captor's hand before the glare of the Gobel press corps, thanked Hamas and resistant soldiers, and, when asked why, told the world's press how decently hostages had been treated. Quote, They were gentle with me. I was given shampoo, conditioner. All of my needs as a woman were looked after. End quote. It was in fact Israeli settlers and soldiers, it transpires, who opened fire from within the music festival and upon the music festival. In part, to prevent the taking of hostages in accordance with the IDF 1986 Hannibal Directive, a controversial Israeli military policy, supposedly repealed, aimed at preventing the capture of Israeli soldiers by enemy forces at any cost, leading to a firefight that put the festival goers at risk. To quote unquote party 
in a war zone, we note, can itself only be seen as an obscenity, one typical of the settler colonial state. For the Western press and the IDF, of course, it was a matter of routine to blame civilian deaths on Hamas, rather than on the true perpetrators of the violence, the Israeli stormtroopers. Truth, they say, is the first casualty of war. In our imperialist press organs, the truth rarely gets a look-in, as our ruling class is in a perpetual state of war with the mass of the population. All of the familiar propaganda devices of the Israeli and wider imperialist media machine have been wound up to fever pitch to cover Israel's planned and rapidly executed collective punishment of the civilian population in Gaza, the mass punishment of an entire nation. Quote, Our enemy is not just Hamas, it is all the civilians in Gaza, end quote, let slip an IDF officer on CNN in a media clip that went viral. The truth will out, and in this social media age, the monopoly state and corporate press have proved surprisingly unable to shape and control the narrative. Downing Street was almost immediately lit up with the Israeli flag, lest anyone was in any doubt where His Majesty's conservative and unionist government, led by Mr Rishi Sunak, stands on the issue. Of course, imperialism always and everywhere stands with itself. It stands with profit, it stands with looting the Middle East, and human rights be damned. But it is increasingly clear to a widening mass of British workers that our government, the Labour Party opposition, and the press are all agents of a hostile power. They do not speak for us. They do not represent British workers. And in this dawning realisation, the capitalist order is becoming ever more fragile, a development to be welcomed. All government buildings including the Houses of Parliament and Holyrood, the Scottish Parliament building, were offered to follow suit and wave the Israeli flag. Government buildings in Great Britain display the Israeli flag, but none being shown on main NIO office by Yahoo Finance, 14th of October 2023. The British College of Arms made the following statement entitled Attacks on Israel flag instructions. Quote, Following the attacks on Israel, special instructions have been received that, as a mark of respect, UK government buildings able to fly the Israel flag and to light up buildings or monuments should do so from as soon as possible today, the 8th of October 2023, until 8pm on Friday the 13th of October. End quote. 8th of October 2023. In rapid succession, the well-drilled central and local government buildings, bodies and organisations, devolved parliaments, councils and other administrative institutions obliged. In Sheffield and Manchester, there were direct protests against the Zionist flag being imposed upon the populace. Even as Israel committed genocide with the full and unreserved backing of our government. In Manchester, 
protesters were arrested for flying the Palestinian flag, sending a direct message to the wider working population. Undeterred in Sheffield, protesters stormed the town hall and forcibly removed the Israeli flag, raising in its place the Palestinian colours to loud cheers. Even Ministry of Health civil servants in Whitehall rebelled against these government instructions, refusing to fly the Israeli colours, which symbolise a, quote, greater Israel between the Nile and the Euphrates, end quote, with all the attendant displacement of the native Arab populations that this apartheid creed implies. Left-wing civil servants resist Downing Street's call to fly the Israeli flag in solidarity with the victims of last weekend's terrorist attacks by Glenn Owen, Mail Online, 15th of October 2023. In fact, the survey suggested that 55% of Britons with an opinion on the matter opposed the Israeli flag being imposed on us in this way. Quote, 4 in 10 UK adults, 39%, opposed flying the Israeli flag on government buildings. 1 in 5, 19%, strongly opposed the idea, while a similar number, 20%, somewhat oppose it. End quote. Brits oppose flying Israel flag on government buildings, poll finds, by Zander Eliard, The National, 11th of October 2023. A distinct improvement, it must be said, over the passive acceptance of the Ukraine washing that was imposed relatively easily on the British population in February 2022. British workers have of course been carefully conditioned with Russophobia and remain largely ignorant of NATO's aggressive warmongering expansionism, its proxy fascist Ukrainian puppets, and the eight years of war waged by those fascists against Ukraine's Donbass civilians prior to Russia's special military operation. BBC war propaganda in the guise of objectivity and impartiality. On the 11th of October, a false controversy was stirred up between differing press wings over the incredible pro-Israeli press bias. Why BBC doesn't call Hamas militants terrorists by John Simpson, BBC, 11th of October 2023. The British ruling class and their BBC state propaganda mouthpiece are masters of dressing up their bias as impartiality, of so writing and wording their disinformation that the reader accepts it as fact and as impartial truth. That is their genius. The German Nazi propagandists never had the length of time to acquire this expertise, but Goebbels marvelled at the way the royal family, or a ruling class accent, commanded instant respect and obedience from the British workers. All this is carefully cultivated. Even this false controversy, should we call Palestinian terrorists or just militants, itself is the propaganda. Never, of course, would they be called resistance forces, liberation fighters, or merely the neutral and respectable armed forces. A steady one-sided stream of news, painting the victim as the aggressor, the ignoring of the fact that resistance is Palestine's reaction to 75 years 
of the escalating crimes by an Israeli occupation, which was itself the first act of aggression. Where is the Israeli terrorism and the British and US terrorism in the imperialist narrative? It is conveniently omitted, edited out, passed over in silence. Simpson wrote, quote, The key point is that we don't say it in our voice. Our business is to present our audiences with the facts and let them make up their own minds. As it happens, of course, many of the people who have attacked us for not using the word terrorist have seen our pictures, heard our audio or read our stories and made up their minds on the basis of our reporting. So it's not as though we're hiding the truth in any way. Far from it. Any reasonable person would be appalled by the kind of thing we've seen. It's perfectly reasonable to call the incidents that have occurred atrocities, because that's exactly what they are. No one can possibly defend the murder of civilians, especially children and even babies, nor attacks on innocent, peace-loving people who are attending a music festival. End quote. But not all is seen. In fact, much is fabricated and syndicated, as we have seen above. A very selective picture is constructed and, quote-unquote, seen by hundreds of millions of BBC viewers. We have examined these lies above, but what mention in the BBC of the plight of 2.3 million Gazans living without fuel, water, electricity or food, who live in conditions even between escalations, of miserable starvation on the rations permitted by the occupation, and who could not dream of attending a music festival on their own stolen land, as they are considered an inferior race by the occupiers. Silence. Simpson's article would be absurdly funny, were it not itself the highest form of crime, war propaganda invested with moral authority and mainlined to the whole world. It is precisely such people who should face their own Nuremberg Tribunal. BBC Racism and Bias, its own employees accuse the BBC of incitement, dehumanisation and war propaganda. The extent of BBC complicity in Israeli war crimes was highlighted by the news that the BBC's own correspondent, based in Beirut, had complained that he had, quote, the gravest possible concerns, end quote, about BBC output, and that, quote, the BBC values Israeli lives more highly than Palestinians, end quote. In an email to Tim Davey, BBC Director General, which was widely shared with BBC News International staff, he wrote, quote, Words like massacre, slaughter and atrocities are being used prominently in reference to actions by Hamas, but hardly, if at all, in reference to actions by Israel. Does this not raise the question of the possible complicity of the BBC in incitement, dehumanisation and war propaganda? End quote. BBC staff crying at work over Israel-Gaza coverage by Alex Farber, The Times, 
25th of October 2023. Yes, it does. Because quite blatantly, war propaganda is what is spewing forth from the BBC on all its many channels 24-7. And this, as we have seen, is no accident. BBC Broadcasting House Demonstration On the 14th of October 2023, an emergency demonstration of tens of thousands was called outside BBC Broadcasting House in Portland Place, London, singling out this location precisely because of the biased war propaganda emanating from the alleged bastion of impartiality and objectivity. Already, the media were cranking into gear to denounce the waving of Palestinian flags as being anti-Semitic, a by now familiar refrain from those years of attacks on former Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn. Corbyn, of course, was weak in the face of such attacks, and backed down when he should have stood firm, sacrificing his allies, his support of Palestine, and ultimately his leadership of the Labour Party. See our pamphlet, The Rise and Fall of Project Corbyn. But his supporters and the wider working class have no time any longer for the fake charge. Like the boy who cried wolf, Labour and Tory leaders find the cry anti-Semite no longer attracts any attention, and the capitalists are left dangerously exposed. The Telegraph went to print at 8pm the same evening as the vibrant BBC protest, which its editors had no doubt hoped would be small enough to be derided or simply ignored. Quote, Tens of thousands of people attended pro-Palestinian protests, marred by anti-Semitic chanting on Saturday, as Rishi Sunak insisted he would not tolerate hate against Jews, saying, quote, Not in our country, not in this century. End quote. Some 30,000 people attended a march through central London, which featured chants including From the River to the Sea, Palestine must be free. Suella Braverman, the Home Secretary, has warned this chant could be understood quote, as an expression of a violent desire to see Israel erased from the world. End quote. London protesters chant anti Israel slogan condemned by Suella Braverman, by Edward Malnick, Sunday Telegraph, 15th of October 2023. Is opposition to Israel and Israeli genocide anti-Semitism? Former Tory leader William Hague put forth his opinion for the Times in an article entitled Fractured Democracies Embolden Their Enemies. As Haig always speaks for the most rabid Atlanticist Anglo-American NATO imperialists, it is worth recounting his core points, which have also been repeated endlessly by lesser servants. Quote, there have always been two arguments in favour of the existence of the State of Israel. One is that after centuries of persecution, culminating in the Holocaust, there should be a national homeland for Jewish people, the entirely fabricated, barbaric atrocities of Hamas and the anti-Semitic pro-Palestinian chants 
in many parts of the world in the past 10 days have underscored the need for that, end quote, 16th of October 2023. This is a false and, in fact, an anti-Semitic argument. It is the reasoning of the ultra-nationalists. Jews outside Israel are not a nation, but a religious group. Moreover, they are not aliens, but citizens of their respective countries. To where, incidentally, even now, most Israelis may safely return courtesy of their dual citizenships. Moreover, by ghettoizing Jews in an apartheid and racist settler state, a tool of the very forces responsible for the Holocaust perpetrated against them in Europe, and actively involved in perpetrating another Holocaust against their Arab, Palestinian, Lebanese, Syrian, Iranian, etc. neighbours, they are quite clearly not being made safe in such a national homeland, but set on a course of self-destruction. It was just this position of Zionism that Jews are alien to Europe and don't in truth belong here, that chimed with racist European colonial ideology, including, but not limited to, British colonialism and German Nazism, and led to the signing of the Balfour Declaration in 1917, and then to the transfer agreement between the German fascists and the German Zionist organisation in the 1930s. It was this reasoning that led Hungarian Zionists, in conjunction with the World Zionist Organisation and its settler leadership in Palestine, to actively collaborate with the fascist SS in the latter part of World War II, facilitating the quote-unquote orderly extermination of 800,000 Hungarian Jews in return for the sparing of a few thousand to colonise Palestine. Is Israel the only democracy in the Middle East? Haig continues, quote, The second argument for supporting Israel is that Israel is the only true democracy in the Middle East, an island of freedom in a lake of autocrats and dictators. Lebanon holds elections, but only to test the strength of armed camps and ethnic groups in a barely functioning state. Egypt's flirtation with free elections ended with the return of the usual one-man rule. Tunisia, a bright hope in recent years, has been sliding back to autocracy. The Gulf states have powerful economic visions, but democracy does not feature in them. For decades, Israel has been the beacon of freedom and the rule of law. End quote. What a farce! The autocratic regimes of the Middle East, Jordan, Egypt, Saudi Arabia and the Gulf states, etc., have been carefully cultivated by the Anglo-American imperialists, and all their excesses are tolerated, while the wealth of the region continues to flow into imperialist coffers. The banks, armaments and oil monopolies, construction companies and engineering firms, the stock markets of the City of London and Wall Street. 
Syria holds regular elections. Hague, of course, when in government plotted with the US Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, the Zionists and the Saudis, to overthrow that democratic system and install its own puppets. Such is his and the British imperialists' deep regard for democracy. Why did the Anglo-American imperialists strive to destabilise Syria? For the same reason they support Israel, and, as former US President Donald Trump pointed out, for the incurably dull-witted, quote, we have the oil, end quote. Saudi Arabia, on the other hand, is a feudal theocracy, but until recently, a loyal client state, so all its excesses and crimes against its own people were quietly overlooked. What democracy for the human animals? And the most obvious point, there is no democracy for the Arab population, either inside the borders of Israel or in the ghettos, the open-air prisons of the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, where Israel is currently engaged in its most brutal round of ethnic cleansing, killing thousands of children, more than 5,000 at the last count, the descendants of their previously ethnically cleansed victims, we must note, by bombing civilian housing and laying siege to the entire population, slowly strangling 2.3 million human beings. Half the population, more than one million people, have been ordered by Israel to move to the south of Gaza to, quote-unquote, avoid the bombings, which are allegedly aimed at the, quote, total destruction of Hamas, end quote, a term used interchangeably with Palestinians, be it said in passing. This is itself a war crime, passed over in silence. Sir Keir Starmer, the Labour opposition leader, being groomed as Britain's next Prime Minister, when asked if Israel is committing war crimes, said, quote, I think it's wrong for politicians to stand on platforms and sit in television studios and judge what is and isn't a war crime, end quote. Although he has shown no such reticence in hurling false accusations at Russia, he, of course, is acting as a spokesman of the principal war criminals, the Anglo-American imperialists. To drive the point home, Israeli Defence Minister Yoav Gallen, on the 9th of October, proclaimed openly in a live press conference televised around the world, quote, we are fighting human animals and we act accordingly, end quote. The minister went on to call for further oppression of all people in Gaza by denying them basic human needs. Quote, we are imposing a complete siege on Gaza, Gallant said. There will be no electricity, no food, no water, no fuel. Everything will be closed, end quote. Israeli Defence Minister announces siege on Gaza to fight human animals by Sanjana Karanth, Huffington Post, 9th of August, 2023. Israel's Endgame This is all being done in an attempt 
to push the remaining Gazan population into Egypt. This campaign, from the fascistic Israeli government's perspective, is itself merely a staging post in the relentless policy of colonial expansionism and war. Moreover, this ethnic cleansing has been openly promoted by our imperialist leaders as being the best humanitarian solution to the problem, while paying hypocritical lip service to the obviously now defunct two-state solution. Keir Starmer, Labour's great hope for government, and still pathetically supported, incidentally, by the Trotskyite and revisionist revolutionaries of the British left, speaking at Chatham House on the 1st of November, declared himself against a ceasefire. In other words, the genocide must continue to achieve this end. If this apartheid settler colonial state is really, quote, a democratic island of freedom, unquote, well, we know what your ideals of freedom amount to, Mr. Haig, and remind us to oblige you by putting you and your ilk firmly in the clutches of such a hostile and inhuman regime when workers come to power. USA gears up to protect Israel and prosecute a regional war. On the 15th of October, the USA, quote, deployed two aircraft carriers and their supporting ships to the eastern Mediterranean. The ships are meant as a deterrent against the Arab people who wish to stop Israel's ethnic cleansing and destroy the brutal settler state once and for all, and bring a significant amount of power to a region that already hosts a number of US military ships, planes and troops. The Gerald R. Ford Carrier, commissioned in 2017, is the United States' newest aircraft carrier and the world's largest, with more than 5,000 sailors aboard. It includes a nuclear reactor, can hold more than 75 military aircraft, including fighter aircraft like the F-18 Super Hornet jets and the E-2 Hawkeye, which can act as an early warning system. It has an arsenal of missiles like the Evolved Sea Sparrow missile, which is a medium-range surface-to-air missile used to counter drones and aircraft. The rolling airframe missile on the Ford is used to target anti-ship missiles along with the Mark 15 Phalanx close-in weapon system, which is used to fire armour-piercing bullets. The Ford also includes sophisticated radars that can help control air traffic and navigation. The supporting ships include the Ticonderoga-class guided missile cruiser Normandy, Arleigh Burke-class guided missile destroyers Thomas Hudner, Ramage, Carney and Roosevelt. They include surface-to-air, surface-to-surface and anti-submarine warfare capabilities. The Pentagon directed the Dwight Eisenhower Carrier Strike Group to move to the eastern Mediterranean. The nuclear-powered carrier, commissioned in 1977, first carried out operations during Iraq's invasion of Kuwait. The carrier has 5,000 soldiers and can carry up to nine squadrons of aircraft, like fighter jets, helicopters, and those capable of carrying out intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance operations. 
much like the Ford, the Ike carrier will be accompanied by other ships, like the guided missile cruiser Philippine Sea, guided missile destroyers Gravely, and the Mason. End quote. U.S. aircraft carriers: what they bring to the Middle East. Reuters, 16th of October, 2023. With all this firepower, the USA could halt the genocide in an instant. But be under no illusions, that is not their purpose. Quite the reverse. Israel bombs the Al-Ali Baptist Hospital in South Gaza, killing 500 women and children. On the 17th of October, Israel bombed the Al-Ali Baptist Hospital, headquartered in Al-Zaitun neighbourhood, south of Gaza City. Al-Ali is one of the largest and also oldest hospitals in Gaza, having been founded in 1882, and it serves more than 45,000 patients each year, principally poor, working-class Palestinian families. Israel had already warned various hospitals, including Al-Ali, that they must evacuate and that hospitals would be bombed, despite the fact that thousands of Palestinian civilians displaced by Israel's slaughter, were sheltering there. What is Al-Ali Hospital that Israel has just bombed in Gaza? Palestine Chronicle, 17th of October 2023. This is not unusual. Israel routinely bombs ambulances, medical personnel, clinics and hospitals. Indeed, the World Health Organization issued a statement pointing out that there had actually been over 51 attacks on healthcare facilities in Gaza since the start of the conflict on the 7th of October. British medical journal The Lancet later joined in condemnation of the attack and of Israel's criminal targeting of medical personnel and facilities, noting, quote, Since the 7th of October 2023, Israeli military bombing of the Gaza Strip, or Gaza, has resulted in 73 healthcare workers being killed, with 57 healthcare facilities attacked as of the 24th of October 2023. Of these healthcare workers, 16 were killed while on duty. Some of the prominent healthcare workers who were killed include Omar Fawana, former dean of the Islamic University of Gaza School of Medicine, and Medat Sedim one of the very few board-certified plastic and burn surgeons in Gaza. Other healthcare workers killed include nurses, paramedics and others, many of whom were killed with their families while asleep at home. End quote. Urgent call for protecting healthcare workers in Palestine by Asayed Osa and Muath Alsa, 31st of October 2023. IDF propagandists perhaps thought it would be business as usual when they initially claimed that the strike was justified by the alleged presence of Hamas terrorists, Palestinians, inside the building. Senior Israeli politicians had in fact tweeted news of and claimed credit for the attack before it had taken place. But when the world learned that the missile attack, quickly identified as a US-supplied Jadam missile, only possessed by Israel's air force, had hit the huge hospital in Gaza City, 
killing at least 500 people, mainly women and children. The force of the international condemnation led Israel to change its story, repeatedly and unconvincingly. First, they blamed Hamas itself, and then Islamic Jihad, perhaps thinking that the name itself would garner more support from the European population, pumped with Islamophobia for the last 30 years. What is Israel's narrative on the Gaza hospital explosion? Al Jazeera, 18th of October 2023. In rapid succession, US President Joe Biden, British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, European Union President Ursula von der Leyen, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, and other Western leaders all flocked to Israel to show solidarity with Benjamin Netanyahu's genocidal government and campaign. Notably, none of these Western dignitaries were hosted by regional Arab governments not even by those usually to be relied upon to act as puppets and proxies of the imperialists, with whom they merely sought talks, aimed at shoring up and protecting their Zionist army. All the visitors claimed to be appalled at the quote-unquote loss of life in Gaza and in the quote-unquote hospital explosion, but none blamed Israel. Indeed, they blamed the Palestinians themselves, and supported the ongoing atrocities as being justified in order to, quote-unquote, destroy Hamas. US President Joe Biden President Biden, in his usual rambling and incoherent style, he apparently could not even recall the names of the alleged perpetrators he wished to finger, said, quote, The point is, is that I was deeply saddened and outraged by the explosions of the hospital in Gaza yesterday, and based on what I've seen, it appears as though it was done by the other team, not you. But there's a lot of people out there not sure, so we've got a lot. We've got to overcome a lot of things. End quote. Biden backs Israel's stance on deadly blast at Gaza Hospital by Julian Borger and Emma Graham Harrison, The Guardian, 18th of October, 2023. Rishi Sunak, British Conservative Prime Minister. Rishi Sunak was unequivocal in his support, saying, quote, We absolutely support Israel's right to defend itself in line with international law, to go after Hamas. Now I know that you are taking every precaution to avoid harming civilians, in direct contrast to the terrorists of Hamas, which seek to put civilians in harm's way. Can I also say, that we have seen scenes over the past days that have shocked all of us, particularly at the hospital, and we mourn the loss of every innocent life, civilians of every faith and every nationality who have been killed. The last thing for me to close on is this. You describe this as Israel's darkest hour. Well then, it's for me to say that I am proud to stand here with you in Israel's darkest hour as your friend. We will stand in solidarity. We will stand with your people. We want you to win. End quote. Sunak tells Israel, We want you to win. By James Heal, The Spectator, 19th of October, 2023. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen. 
the European Commission president stated, quote, This is the most heinous assault against Jews since the Holocaust. We thought this could never happen again, yet it did. In the face of this unspeakable tragedy, there was only one possible response. Europe stands with Israel. Genocide. And Israel has a right to defend itself. In fact, it has the duty to defend its people. And we must call by their name the atrocities committed by Hamas. This is terrorism. This is an act of war. Nothing can justify what Hamas did. This is the time to stand in solidarity with Israel and its people. And this is why I am here. Let me also be very clear that Hamas alone is responsible for what is happening. Hamas acts have nothing to do with the legitimate aspiration of the Palestinian people. On the contrary, the horror that Hamas has unleashed is only bringing more suffering upon innocent Palestinians. They are threatened too. Hamas's despicable actions are the hallmark of terrorists. And I know that how Israel responds will show that it is a democracy. End quote. Statement by President von der Leyen with Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu, European Commission, 14th of October 2023. Is the same person writing all the speeches of Western leaders? Certainly von der Leyen and Keir Starmer seem to have the same script. Anyway, yes, bombing civilians, hospitals, women, children, killing more than 9,000, the mass transfer of a million civilians, cutting off fuel, water, food, and medicine to 2.3 million people, and genocidal ethnic cleansing. This is Western democracy in its most pure form. Censorship and Psychological Operations Von der Leyen continued, quote, Finally, Jewish communities across the world are also deeply affected, including in Europe. Anti-Semitic incidents are again on the rise, and this is unacceptable. We are deeply concerned by the spread of online hate speech and fake news, which are proliferating at worrying speed, and are even difficult to keep track of. We are already in contact with social media platforms to remind them of their obligations. There is no place and zero tolerance for hate in Europe, both online and offline, against anyone. End quote. Indeed, EU Commissioner Thierry Breton's letter to Elon Musk, owner of ex-Twitter, brought a rapid clampdown and censorship upon those people and accounts exposing the Israeli genocide. Quote, Following the terrorist attacks carried out by Hamas against Israel, we have indications that your platform is being used to disseminate illegal content and disinformation in the EU. Let me remind you that the Digital Services Act sets very precise obligations regarding content moderation, end quote. EU warns Elon Musk over disinformation on X about Hamas attacks. By Lisa O'Carroll, The Guardian, 10th of October 2023. Russia can strike US carriers. This is not a threat. On the 18th of October, President Vladimir Putin told reporters in Beijing after talks with Chinese President Xi Jinping that he had ordered MiG-31 aircraft armed with Kinzhou missiles that, quote, have a range of more than 1,000 kilometres at a speed of Mach 9 
end quote, to conduct permanent missions over neutral waters in the Black Sea. Quote, this is not a threat, but we will exercise visual control, control with weapons, over what is happening in the Mediterranean Sea, end quote. Putin sends jets with hypersonic missiles to patrol Black Sea. Bloomberg, 18th of October, 2023. The ongoing Zionist imperialist horrors, the bombing of civilian and especially medical infrastructure, the escalation towards regional war, the USA sending a flotilla of its aircraft carriers to the eastern Mediterranean to protect and sponsor Israel's ongoing genocide, triggered global revulsion and a further wave of protest and action. Marble Arch to Downing Street Demonstration On Saturday the 21st of October, an enormous wave of support for the Palestinian people brought 350,000 British workers to London streets, marching from Marble Arch to Downing Street. As throngs of protesters from all sections of British society, by no means limited to the many with an Arab, Asian or Muslim background, but reflecting the fact that London and Britain have drawn workers from across the world, formed a human wall extending along the entire length of the march to the chagrin of our ruling elite. The Territorial Support Group, TSG, of the Metropolitan Police, together with further units of riot squad thugs of the city police, often ex-military personnel, under direct financial and operational control of the financiers in the City of London, the real ruling class of Britain, let it be noted, were mobilised in huge numbers for this demonstration, with row after row of packed vehicles lining side streets along the course of the march from Hyde Park to Whitehall. But the sheer mass of demonstrators made it impossible for the police to escalate and engage in violence, a tactic they so often used to discredit the protesters in the eyes of the broader British news-viewing public. As the dust settled on a record upswing in workers' anger and protest in support of Palestine, against all the pressure of our united press and politicians, the Times weighed in, quote, Suella Braverman will ask the head of the Metropolitan Police to explain his force's response after protesters who chanted Jihad during a pro-Palestinian rally, interestingly not the 350,000 strong demonstration outside Downing Street, in London, were not arrested. The Home Secretary says that there can be no place for incitement to hatred or violence on Britain's streets, and that the police must crack down on anyone breaking the law. End quote. Gaza protests, number 10 defies Met Chief's call for new police powers by Steve Swinford, David Wood, James Beale and Matt Dathan, 23rd of October 2023. Clearly, the government claims a monopoly on the right to incitement to hatred and violence, whether by supporting Israel's genocide without condition or by introducing racist immigration laws, stop the boats, or attacking British workers' wages and social services, enforcing their poverty. The Times article and the outpouring from Braverman are more proof that she and her government wanted to criminalise the huge 350,000-strong Palestine demonstration, 
but that the police, in operational control on the day, were afraid to do so in view of its strength. Moreover, this quote-unquote violent hatred approach to those demonstrating for a ceasefire and for the end of Israel's genocide against Palestinians is clearly intended to be a smokescreen for the real question of our government's undemocratic and unpopular stance in supporting the ongoing genocide. Attack, feels Braverman, is the best form of defence. The elephant in the room is that the Palestinian people have the right to self-defence under international law, while Israel's genocide is flagrant and obviously illegal. If the police were to take action within a legal framework, it should be against the Labour and Tory politicians, Suella Braverman, Keir Starmer and Rishi Sunak included, who spew their hatred and bile, their defence and cover for Israeli genocide, onto the airwaves continuously. This is war propaganda, an international crime under the Fourth Geneva Convention. But of course, the British state does not stand above society. It is an instrument in the hands of the ruling billionaire class, just as surely as are our government and the main political parties, Tory, Labour or Liberal. In passing, we note that even if one takes the meaning of jihad as holy war or just struggle, which one man is alleged to have said, though where and when is not clear, then this simply means that the Palestinian people have the right to struggle for national liberation and self-determination, which remains true in any language and according to countless United Nations resolutions. This is, in reality, a psychological operation being fought against the British people to use apparently alien language and a totally spurious Islamist or Wahhabist label to condemn the Palestinian people's resistance and their supporters in Britain. The Palestinian victims are once again being labelled as the aggressors or as Hamas terrorists. Stop the Boats Braverman once again is blatantly playing the racist and Islamophobic card in a vain attempt to allow her criminal government to continue its policy of supporting, aiding and abetting genocide. Meanwhile, the wider regional conflict in the Middle East intensifies, with the Yemeni national government officially declaring war on Israel in solidarity with Palestine and increasing clashes on the northern Lebanese border with Hezbollah. Analysis Houthis declare war on Israel, but their real target is elsewhere, by Zoran Kusovak, Al Jazeera, 2nd of November 2023. Israel bombed Syrian airports in Damascus at the opening of the conflict, and the drawing in of Syria or Iran may well wipe away imperialist control of the Middle East, of which Israel remains an integral component. Half a million march for Palestine, embankment to Parliament Square, demonstration. On Saturday the 28th of October, an incredible human torrent of half a million men, women and children assembled on Victoria Embankment. The demonstration marched over Westminster Bridge and having doubled back over Waterloo Bridge, went past Downing Street and on to Parliament Square, in the largest protest seen since the 2003 anti-Iraq war demonstration. Again, 
Our government and pressmen and the impotent police watched in horror as their message and threats not only went unheeded, but were totally defied. Small scuffles initiated by the territorial support group thugs in uniform resulted in the arrest of one young man who has been rapidly and vindictively sentenced to six months in prison, the police being touted once more as the victims. Let it be clearly noted that the Met and City Police are in this way standing with Israeli genocide on the orders of a corrupt, cynical and hypocritical government of imperialism. Successful rallies and marches, many of several thousand, have been staged up and down the country, in Dundee, Edinburgh, Glasgow, Manchester, Liverpool, Sheffield, Birmingham, Bristol and even Canterbury. There is scarcely a town or city where events and meetings in support of Palestine have not been held. On the evening of Tuesday the 31st of October, hundreds of protesters upped their activity by holding a sit-in in London's Liverpool Street station, and Action for Palestine have increased their programme of direct action against British companies and factories manufacturing arms used to commit atrocities against the Palestinian population. A racist undercurrent in our press has tried to brush this off as a foreign affair. The work of Muslims and Arabs, not of decent law-abiding, most do not quite say white, British citizens. But this is a foul slander against progressive British workers, who have long held the cause of Palestine to be our own. Support for Palestine among British workers, disgusted at Israel's war crimes, have never been so vocal and so all-embracing. Moves are now being made by the British establishment to ban the ongoing actions of working-class support for Palestine. Quote, A pro-Palestinian demonstration through Whitehall on Armistice Day would not be appropriate, Security Minister Tom Tugendhat said on Friday. The former soldier said he had written on Thursday night to the Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, Westminster Council, and Met Police Commissioner, Sir Mark Rowley, about the proposed protest, end quote. Pro-Palestinian march in London on Armistice Day risks cenotaph being desecrated, says PM Amid Ban Rao, by Nicholas Cecil and Noah Vickers, Evening Standard, 3rd of November 2023. As Israel continues its crimes in conjunction with the NATO powers and our own government, British workers are set to continue their legitimate right to political protest against imperialism. We will be with them. Thanks for listening to Proletarian Radio. We aim to bring you the best Marxist analysis on current affairs, revolutionary history, and theory. Do like, comment, subscribe, and share our content to help us reach the widest possible audience. We are a small organization with limited resources, and we need workers' support if we are to grow and fulfill our mission. If you are able to make a one-off or regular donation, no matter how small, please visit our website at thecommunists.org and register as a supporter.